Are you looking to live the abundant life no matter what your income is? You're in the right place. This is the podcast that will teach and inspire you to live better. Whether you want to earn more, save more, or improve your relationship with money or people, it's time for the 90 Days to Abundance podcast, brought to you by SavingsAngel.com. Here's your host, the Chief Executive Angel of SavingsAngel.com, Josh Elledge. Thank you so much, Cece, and welcome to show number 36 of 90 Days to Abundance. So glad that you've joined me on this very special episode of 90 Days to Abundance. We're going to be talking about TV, and I am going to throw conventional consumer advocate uh, advice on its ear, and I'm going to talk about why you should not cut your cable bill. Yeah, I know. It sounds crazy, but that's what we're going to talk about on today's program, and I've actually got an interview uh, with someone, an, an industry insider, someone who has been on the forefront of uh, cable television programming for over 20 years, kind of give his insight into this concept of what home uh, video entertainment is and how it's changing. That's what's going to be on today's show. So if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that one thing that I, I'm an advocate for, if it's not extremely valuable to you, you should cut your cable TV bill. Heavens, you should absolutely cut your home phone bill, uh, even if you're getting your home phone service through uh, maybe a provider that's charging you $20, $30 a month. Yeah, people are still paying that kind of money for home phones, and it's kind of not really necessary, and there are lots of alternatives out there. And I mean, look, it's standard fare for a consumer expert to say, cut your uh, home uh, entertainment budget by cutting your cable. I mean, that's just kind of normal, right? Well, I mean, there are a lot of alternatives out there right now, rather than the traditional home cable TV bill that some people spend $60, $70, $80 a month or more for. I mean, right now, rather than a, a home cable TV service, you can get services like Roku, Google Chromecast, Apple TV, and the new kid on the block, uh, Amazon Fire. And what these devices allow you to do is stream from uh, different providers online like Hulu Plus, Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, Apple has iTunes, and there are lots of other different places that you can get video entertainment. So maybe you're one of these people who have done it. You've cut the cord to satellite TV, you've kicked cable to the curb, and you've convinced that the savings you'll gain by dropping these expensive forms of entertainment will free up plenty of other money for other things. But has it? What are you doing instead that uh, could be costing you? It's not uncommon for cord cutters to seek entertainment elsewhere. Are you buying more high-priced video games at $25 to $75 a pop? Maybe $22 Blu-rays for something high-resolution to watch on that big high-def TV you bought last year? Are you going to the movies more often? Now, don't get me started how much that can cost, although I'm going to be the first to admit I love going to the movies with my family, but it's not inexpensive. 
Now, maybe you're using a multitude of other monthly services like Netflix, Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime, or others. Now, they're not free either, and they're not necessarily cheap if you tack on the cost of individual programs or movies you may be purchasing on demand that you want to see. Now, Netflix recently raised their prices a dollar to $8.99 a month. Hulu Plus is $8 a month. Amazon Prime jumped from $79 to $99 a year. Now, are there other streaming services, subscriptions, or on-demand entertainment that you purchase to make up for your lack of cable? Well, when it's all said and done, the channels, TV shows, sporting events that you and your family enjoyed may not be available even with the multitude of cable alternatives you're using. Now, sure, cable can carry with it a higher price tag. I don't think there's anyone that's going to debate that. But add together all these different cable alternatives, all these other methods of entertainment, and maybe you're really not saving a whole lot of money. And, you know, again, you're giving up some entertainment and information options that you really loved when you had cable TV. Is it worth it? Now, again, remember to subtract what you may have bundled in for cable internet to figure out the slice of the pie that was your actual cable TV bill, you know, really, to, for comparison. Now, again, it may have only been maybe about $30 a month or $40 a month. Again, it's great if you've adjusted and you don't miss the access to the options provided by cable or satellite, but it's my job to ask you to weigh your costs versus benefits. Okay? I don't know that I'm necessarily a preacher for all-out frugality. I'm, I am all for looking at the things that we spend our dollars on, being introspective, being analytical about those things, and asking if we're truly getting a good return on investment. If there are a lot of different programs that you like watching, if you really get a lot of enjoyment out of watching HGTV together as a couple, then it's maybe it's a great investment uh, that you invest in your monthly cable bill. Now, if access to high-quality, endless-choice programming was valuable to you and you end up stacking multiple alternatives and you still miss the old options, look, nobody's going to shame you for reconnecting. This is not going to be the program where you're going to hear someone chastising you because you like watching Duck Dynasty. God bless you. It's, you know, If that's what you enjoy doing, have at it, right? Now, for some, going back to cable or getting that satellite up and running again, it's just not going to happen. You've cut the cord, you're not going back. Now, they've learned to adjust and life is good. Now, for others, there may be reason to reconsider. Now, consumer experts the world over, including myself, have predictably beat the drum of cutting your cord. But this consumer expert, again, I'm going to do the unthinkable and ask, why would you want to consider going back to cable? Now, again, if you want to hear the speech about cutting your cable bill, I want you to go back to show number 20, where I talk all about the alternatives and all about the reasons why you should cut your cord. But here, I'm going to give you eight reasons why you should go back to cable TV. Or at least consider it once you, again, fully analyze this. Number one, TV technology has improved 
significantly over the past couple of years. Now, as a home entertainment geek, I recently took advantage of a promotional offer to try Xfinity's or Comcast's new X1 platform. Now, it's worlds better than the last uh, than the last cable satellite provider that my family and I use. Now, the ability to control my receiver and every DVR function, including advanced searching, timer setting with my phone or tablet from anywhere it's really convenient. The user interface, the built-in apps that they put into the receivers now, it's worth taking a peek at. Now, while you're comparing prices and promotional offers from cable or satellite providers in your area, ask to see the coolest new receivers and how they connect with any tablets or smartphones or any other devices that you use and I want you to rethink this whole idea of what television is. In my interview uh, later on in the program, I'm going to be talking with Scott Werman, uh, who has been in this industry for over 20 years. And uh, I I ask him this question too, because I think sometimes people think, oh, my cable TV bill. Well, I'm just paying so that I could sit on the couch for five hours a day. Well, that's really not what TV is about these days. TV is pretty much everywhere and you have access to it and it's entertainment, it's information, it's education, it's whatever it is, it's choices really, and it's options really. You can decide what it is that you do with those options. But let me get to reason number two why you might want to consider going back to cable. Number two is picture quality. You didn't shell out the money for a big high-def TV just to get inferior picture quality. I mean, who likes watching compressed video on a big screen? On-demand services have been improving, but very little exists that can match a good HD signal offered through a modern cable service. Now, yes, the picture quality with digital antenna is absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful if you've ever uh, watched over-the-air TV through an HD antenna. Worlds better than what we experienced a number of years ago. But again, that's good for network television programming, uh, but if you have favorite cable channels that you'd enjoy more on the TV that you invested in, maybe you might want to reconsider going back to cable. Number three, news, sports, and other live programming. Now, is there live sports programming on ESPN that might be worth the difference in cost? Now, a favorite news channel that's left you watching small online video news clips instead? Maybe the alternative suffices. Just the video clips online or on whatever device you're watching, and that's great. But are there entertainment options that you've substitute that might even be out-costing a small cable bundle? Number four, movies and shows not on Netflix, Hulu Plus, and Amazon Prime. I want you to take a look at a website. It's called canistream.it. Like, can I stream it? And compare which movies and shows are available where. Now, this is a great site that includes all the major streaming platforms, and it also includes other platforms like Uh, Xfinity from Comcast, which includes thousands of shows on demand. Now, my wife and I have been able to watch a couple of shows that weren't available on Hulu Plus nor Netflix. So again, it's about more options and do these options fit your lifestyle? Number five, are you tired of spoilers? Does it seem like everyone is talking about the latest episode of that hot new series, And you end up constantly having to leave the room because you're waiting for it to show up on Hulu Plus or Netflix. A TV is a social medium. 
And there are more ways than ever to connect with fellow viewers thanks to social media and TV and second screen apps. Now, if you've ever read Twitter during a major sports event or political event, if you've never done that, do it. It can be a riot. It can be a lot of fun. Number six, do you need the big bundle? Now, maybe the one channel that you and your spouse miss more than anything watching together is AMC, Discovery, Food Network, HGTV, whatever it is. Now, save yourself $10 to $40 monthly and don't bother with the higher level or premium movie packages. And it should go without saying that bundled voice services can often be overpriced, in my opinion. Now, when it comes to voice services, my favorite voice provider, if you absolutely need a line in the home, is called UMA. Now, it's close to free after you buy the $145 phone. Again, if you need a phone in the house, like say for your kids or whatever, once you pay the $145, then it's just like a couple of dollars a month that you have to pay for like 911 services and other taxes and fees. Um, Other than that, there's no phone service whatsoever with UMA. And I've got a link in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to check that out. Again, all you have to do, just go to savingsangel.com forward slash podcast and then click on show number 36. That's this one. Number seven, as I mentioned earlier, TV where you wanted. Now, after my cable reconnection, again, we just kind of came back to cable after being disconnected for a little while. I've been able to stream sports, news, kids channels on my tablet and phone, which can be very cool depending on the situation. If there's a favorite show that you like to watch with your kids and maybe you watch that together at night before you go to bed, of course, I also read. Don't be judging me, all right? But I'm just saying there might be some educational programs. I've actually been watching with my kids. uh, History Channel recently put together a mini-series. It was three two-hour episodes called World Wars. It is phenomenal. If you have seen it, if you haven't seen it, look for it. See if you can stream it online or see if you could stream it through um, your cable service. It's really, really great. Now, with Comcast, which which we just subscribed to, and, and pardon me for only mentioning this one provider. There are lots of different options. I'm just talking about my personal experience here. Uh, but on Comcast, there are over 50 streamable cable channels. So you could just stream them right on your computer while you're at work. You can stream them on your device, your iPad, your phone, or whatever. And also with Xfinity, I whatever they call it, it's Comcast slash Xfinity. I, I get the two confused. You can download TV shows and movies to uh, from several different movie channels to your device and then you can watch them offline so if you want to download a bunch of programs so if you're going to be flying somewhere it's really really convenient and then finally here's my strategy for getting the best deal number eight switch teams every year or at least threatened to, and you can get a great deal. Now, most cable and satellite providers will give you a great one-year deal. That's pretty common. And I recommend comparing providers to see who works best for you. Now, after your one-year period, act as a free agent and see what other providers are going to offer you. You have to put yourself in a position where you're not attached to a single provider. This is how it works. You have to be willing to adjust once a year. It's going to save you potentially a lot of money. 
Now, you may be able to get a great offer to renew for another year when you call your cable company to let them know that you're shopping around. Now, sometimes you'll need to call your cable company a couple times to get their best offer, which should be very close to the best offer given to new customers. Sometimes you'll actually need to cancel to get the best please come back to us offer. I remember... I remember that happened and we had already switched to another provider, but uh, I had, uh, I think we were canceling Dish Network at the time and we canceled. And then sure enough, within two weeks, uh, they were sending us all these offers and they absolutely gave us the brand new customer offer. And, but by then we had already switched to another provider. I'm just saying when you are playing this game, you're going to get a lot of offers. So this also means you need to call your old cable provider and let them know you're considering coming back when you do cancel that you'll consider coming back for the right offer. Yeah, look, is this a little bit of work? Yeah, it is. But never be afraid to hang up the phone without getting your cable established if you didn't get a great price to stay or come back. It's absolutely cool. Just Call all the different providers, let them know you're shopping around, and get find out what the best deal is for you at the time. Okay, Now, it is absolutely worth maybe, maybe an hour's worth of work, maybe two hours worth of work, if you can save two to $300 a year compared to the person who just sits idly by after that one-year promotional period is done, and they're just like, okay, just charge me whatever, all right? Y- you have to do this. It's it's just part of this, okay? Now, again, you can still all you can still enjoy, if you'll do this, you'll still be able to enjoy all the latest programming and technology I've illustrated, but you'll be able to save more money than someone who doesn't bother with this process once a year. Now, if you don't get an offer immediately and alternatives don't look so good, look, you can also you can always use a month or two off to experiment with the latest cable alternatives. A year from now, you and I are going to be talking, you're going to be listening to this podcast, and we're going to be talking about all kinds of new cable alternatives and all kinds of new entertainment options for in the home. If you're a cable satellite subscriber, why? Uh, I'd love to hear your take on this subject in the comment section. Uh, Just post on our discussion forum. You can comment on uh, the show notes uh, page for this. Let me know why you subscribe to cable. Also, if you've cut your cord and there's just no way in heck you're ever going back, I'd love, I value your opinion. I'd love to hear that. Uh, you know, again, I was only able, I'm only able to share my personal experience with Xfinity. I've had other providers before. Our last cable satellite provider was Dish Network, and we enjoyed that too. And, um, you know, so again, I, I can only speak to what I know. So uh, if you're upset that I'm not talking about your cable provider, if you love DirecTV or whatever it is that you love, um, absolutely share your experience. I'd love to hear it. Now, I'm really excited to be able to invite on the program has actually reached out uh, to uh, to find out if there was someone who has been in the industry that could kind of give their perspective on cable satellite entertainment and what has happened over the past couple of years. If you've cut your cord and you're considering coming back, uh, and I actually found a gentleman named Scott Worman. Now He's an executive director of product management with Comcast. Now he's in Philadelphia, and this is a guy who's got over 20 years in the TV industry. And what's cool about him is that he's always been involved in 
technology that's kind of on the cutting edge of TV. And so with that, Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the 90 Days to Abundance program. No problem. Thank you for having me. The first question I want to ask Scott is that for someone who is, let's say they cut their cord a while ago, and uh, you know maybe the receiver that they had was one that was several years old to begin with, what has changed in the world of cable TV, specifically with um, Comcast and, and um, everything that Xfinity is doing, um, what can they experience now if they come back to cable? Okay. Um, sure. So we like to talk about um, the X1 platform, um, and we're talking about it as if uh, we're calling it the um, X1 Entertainment Operating System for a reason, and that's it's no longer just a set-top box in your family room connected to your traditionally your SDTV, now, you know, hopefully to an HD television, um, but it's actually an entire experience. It's on your set-top box, it's on your mobile device, whether it be your iPad or Android tablet, your smartphone, um, or your computer, your Mac or your PC. And what we're doing is we're taking the traditional video subscription, which you pay for on a monthly basis, and we're expanding it. Not only are we making it much better and easier to access and find personalized and relevant content to you on your television, but we're then making it available where you are, when you, when you want to watch it, really at your convenience. So it could be in-home or out-of-home. It could be um, on a mobile device, on a PC, or on your set-top box. Um, so it's about making that video subscription much more than just uh, 500 linear channels on your on your television. It's now if you include on demand, you know, it's 55,000 choices on your television. It's 500 channels. And all of that, as we roll the services out across the country, is available you, to you where you want it, when you want it. Um, and so it's a much richer, better way for you uh, to consume that content and take advantage of the subscription that you're paying for. Well, I, I appreciate that, Scott. And so, so it really feels like we're, we're truly integrating the, this world of the web and television. And, and of course, you know, if anyone's ever participated in, um, you know, watching Twitter while they're watching something live, it can be, it's a really cool experience. But where do you see or, or what do you, what does Comcast currently offer in the ways of further integration with the web and uh, a, a live TV event? Um, well, so we do a couple of different things. Um, I think you mentioned in your article, the Xfinity TV to go, um, or I'm sorry, Xfinity TV go. Um, which is our online product. It's also a mobile product that you can take with you and you can go anywhere in the country. Um, and it's very easy for the user to get access to that content. So it is a web experience or a mobile web experience that you can take with you. Um, and again, like I said, you can use that on your television as well. Um, and then um, the other areas, we work closely with our programming partners. So there's something that we're starting to talk a lot more about called TV Everywhere. And the way that that works is you can also go to Turner's website or HBO's website um, or ESPN.com and you can use your video subscription, which you get from a, comp a cable company like Comcast, to um, to watch the content on that website or on their mobile apps in addition to coming to our experiences. So again, we're, we're allowing you to take advantage of the fact that you're paying for the video subscription on multiple platforms on multiple devices. Um, and then, you know, you could start to look at the Olympics as a really good example um, of where we worked with NBC very closely. There was a lot of content that was available through their website. Um, you could also come to Comcast's website and uh, Xfinity uh, TV Go 
in the home and out of the home, you were able to consume all of that content. And then we actually took the Live Extra app, um, which is uh, the ability to stream a lot. Uh, NBC this year, all of the events were actually streamed through the Live Extra um, app and website. Um, and we put that on your television. So we actually merged the two. You could go to the mobile app or you could go to the PC uh, and you could watch every event live as it was happening in Sochi. But you could also then come to our television. And even if it wasn't on a broadcast channel, you could watch Sean White's, you know, half pipe event in the middle of the afternoon um, live and see it happening. And so it goes to your your spoilers comment. What was very interesting is, you know, if you were on Twitter that day, you were going to hear how Sean White did in the finals and you were going to know whether or not he won or not. And this allowed you to actually absorb that, consume it, enjoy it. Um, and then at night, you could watch that primetime show, which is really that much richer, you know, video, um, a lot of good commentary. There were the the deep dives into the athletes and understanding their histories and and all of their bios and interviews that Bob Costas and others do. Um, and that became a, a much richer experience. And it wasn't just the place you went to find out what had happened on a specific event that day. Interesting. So it sounds like uh, there were things offered that just weren't available on Netflix or Hulu. Uh, well, in that case, it was content that was coming from NBC. Um, so it was tied to your access to NBC because you had a subscription to all of the NBC channels. Um, and, and you know, there are other things like content that might be coming from Turner or HBO um, or other services like that, that, yes, it would be available on our service, but not necessarily through uh, the Hulu Plus subscription. I think HBO is a good example of that. Um but from our perspective, we're just working with our programming partners to get the content to the user where, again, where they want it, when they want it, uh, and making it available through the, the TV everywhere as well as our own experiences. So for cable alternatives like some of the streaming services online, um, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, etc., where does Comcast see themselves as having a place with that? Or, I mean, is it a constant state of evolution? And are there just things that just be simply because of the relationships uh, that a Comcast will have that just kind of put them in a unique position where the consumers can actually derive a lot of value from their cable subscription. And I think that's actually one of the things that uh, we we definitely like to talk about. You know, I, some of the numbers I threw around earlier, we've got 50,000 choices of content that are available through the on-demand subscription. Um, and so if you have a, a video service from us, you have access to that content. Um, we've got about half that, about 25,000 of that is available through the mobile app and the website. Um, uh, in-home and out-of-home. Um, we've got in-home, uh, as you roll out the X1, we're actually rolling out what we call the Xfinity TV app. Um, and you get access to all of the linear on-demand and VOD content through your mobile device or your PC. Um, so there's an incredible amount of content. Um, we, we're starting to talk more about uh, the concept of stackable. That's something that means something more in the industry. But it's the idea that you know, we have all of the episodes of this season of that current show. And so if your friends start talking about it at work um, or you're really interested in the content, but you missed it, you didn't start watching it when the season began, you can go back and catch up uh, and start watching it. And what we've seen is a huge growth where people who can go back and start the season at the beginning are much more likely to watch the next live episode. Um, which really means that you're going to get a lot more value from your subscription because you're watching the content you want. And you can catch up. Uh, and an example of that is actually we just rolled out a feature in X1 where um, we oftentimes talk about the fact that we're we're innovating on television at the speed of the Internet. Uh, and what we mean by that is that the 
uh, we can actually change it on a regular basis. So we, um, we rolled out a feature where if you go to the linear guide, which most of our users do to start consuming content, uh, you know, what's on tonight? What do I want to watch? Um, we now have an icon that links you to the on-demand area where that content lives. So uh, it might be Blacklist, it might be, uh, you know, uh, Game of Thrones, and you might not have started watching it from the beginning of the season, but you can very easily go back um, with one click to get to the first episode of the season and start watching it and catch up on that. Um, or you could do it, we also talk a lot about kids' content, um, and so you could um, go back and, you know, you like Phineas and Ferb, your kids record it every day, I have a 12-year-old, so he watches it a lot, um, but he may not know that we actually have, you know, 20 or 30 episodes of on-demand Phineas and Ferb content, and it's very easy for him, if he goes to the guide or to a recording of it, to then see all the rest of the content and to get to it. So from our perspective, we think we're increasing the value of this, this subscription by helping users get to content that they're interested in and really trying to build out that breadth of that content so that if they want to go back and start over, you know, they missed Mad Men, but everybody's talking about it. Uh, they missed Downton Abbey, but everybody's talking about it. It's very easy to go back to the beginning and start over and catch up and then enjoy it with all of their friends as it's happening live to avoid those spoilers. And with the number of content providers that Comcast work with, uh, I mean, in, in regards to wanting to catch up with a series, uh, is are, are we talking about programs and um, programmers uh, that aren't available on, say, Hulu Plus? Um, some are and some aren't. I think it depends. It depends on the relationship with the programmer. We could probably get back to you with some of the more information. I think at this point, we have over 400 series where we have at least the current season that's available oh. to the subscriber. Um, to be honest, I haven't gone back and done the comparison between that and, and Hulu or Netflix. Um, but I do know that's a lot of content that is stackable and that is easily, easy for a user to go back to the beginning. Um, so we're, we're making an effort to, to build the relationships with the programmers and the business model that makes sense for them so that we can go back and get all of that content and provide it to our users. Because what we've seen overwhelmingly is that if you can go back to the beginning, if you can catch up, users are much more likely to engage with that content and take oh, advantage sure. of it. For sure. Uh, and actually, we're about to roll out a feature the, that we're working on right now where we really want to prioritize, if you've watched a couple of episodes, how do we promote that next episode in that series to you? So even removing the clicks, you've watched episode one through four. Uh, the next thing that's going to be on the you know to watch list is going to be episode five of that same series. So it's something we showed at NCTA and we're excited about and we're working through to make sure we, you know, as we roll it out, we roll it out in a way that makes sense to users. And Scott, how does this concept of the cloud affect where cable TV is going? One of the things that we like to say about the product is that we're moving the brains of the, of the set-top box out of the set-top box and into the cloud. <laughs> so it's very much, uh, it's very useful in a couple of different ways. Um, the first is that our experience can be changed very quickly. And so we, we're constantly getting feedback from our users. We're listening to them um, and talking to them all the time to understand what's working and what isn't working. And so if something doesn't work, we can very quickly change it. Um, and so moving to the cloud allows us to innovate much faster. And, and you can even respond very quickly. A good example of it is we, when we first launched, we defaulted to the SD channel or the SD on-demand asset as a default. And then an option one click away was to go to the HD. Um, and what we noticed from our users is that a lot of them wouldn't make that click, even if they had that as a part of their subscription. Uh, and so what we do now is we default to HD. 
and the user can force it back to the SD, but we're going to always take you to the richer, higher quality content and really take advantage of the fact that, you know, we're delivering a really, really good version of the video from a quality perspective to the user. Um, and we saw customer satisfaction go up very quickly, not because users didn't, you know, didn't understand how to do it, but it was an extra click. It wasn't default. It wasn't the, the behavior that they were expecting. And just by making the richer, better version that they were already paying for the default, uh, it became a much better experience. And so that's something that we were able to change in weeks, not months or years. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is when it comes to the video itself. So by moving to the cloud uh, and we're rolling this out uh, in our markets as we speak, we've got it in four or five of them now. Um, the recordings on your DVR are now also in the cloud. And that's what allows us to have your iPad or your computer um, you can watch the live streams in your home. You can watch the DVR recordings that you've recorded, or you can watch the on-demand content. So by moving to the cloud and getting the brains out of the box and, you know, from the local box, but actually in the cloud, we were able to make those changes very quickly, but also now provide an experience where, yes, you can watch it on your, your HD television, but you can also watch it on your iPad um, or your iPhone or your Android tablet or your computer, uh, which is something that I do a lot because it allows me, you know, if I want to watch something, but it's not the main focus, I can multitask. I can be paying the bills, but have the, the NHL game on in the background. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Scott, over the past few years, as we've evolved uh, with the technology and the receivers and, and certainly, you know, kind of coming from the, the head end, it, has there been improvements in actual picture quality as well? Um, yeah, we're constantly working on that um, with our set-top boxes. And so part of it was moving to HD. You, you're starting to hear rumblings coming down the pipe of 4K, um, which is really <laughs> just, you know, four times better than HD. Um, so you're starting to see all that come down. But we've also migrated a lot of our services to IP and away from our the way we used to deliver wow. content to standard box. And when you do that, you can start to do much more with compression. You can start to do a lot more with the... the, the um, understanding the client and the device that you're streaming to. So a good example of that is the online product. So whether it be your your full subscription in your home or whether it be Xfinity TV Go when you're out of the home, um, we spent a lot of time working with our technology partners and we use a technology called adaptive streaming. We start to stream so that it's very quick to the user and it's it feels instant when they want to watch something on those devices. But as we see that the device can handle a better quality, whether through you know the CPU or the memory or the network connection, all of those, we're constantly analyzing that. And so we'll increase that bit rate. We'll actually make the HD version better on those devices. Um, and so we can adjust if it's an older device or it's not a great network, you can still watch your video, but if we can get the better quality to, that's what we're gonna send to you. And we're doing that across all of our devices. So that includes the television. That's amazing. So, you know, I wonder now when I'm watching TV uh, and I'm watching it on my on my X1 receiver, how much of it is cable TV and how much of it is IPTV? So we use different words um, because it's all cable television and it's yeah. all your cable subscription. Um, so there's not that difference. It's just the underlying technology. Uh, you know, in that world, there's the traditional what we call qualm television, which is the way that content has been delivered to set-top boxes for 30 years now. Digital content has been. Um, and IP is just another way that we can deliver it. It's a, it, it's not really that important to a user to understand that. It's just we can deliver better quality with lower bandwidth. And it allows us to go to more devices and more places. And that's why we're migrating the technology. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, cable versus new. It's 
it's everything you're already paying for through your cable subscription, just available on multiple devices in high quality. Yeah, as someone who's been following the industry very casually, you know, I just remember when when folks first started talking about IPTV and you know how all of your television programming was going to be delivered over the internet. And so, you know, again, it's now you know in front of our set top boxes, it's it's all kind of just merged together. So it's, it's an, I guess it's, you're right, to your point, it is kind of irrelevant, but it is very, very cool what power we have now because of that great two-way communication that we have because of uh, that internet connection that, that we're interfacing with. Absolutely, you're spot on. I, the example I used is I work, I've been at Comcast now for about 11 years and I worked on the on-demand product for the first five or six um, rolling that out to our traditional set-top boxes and expanding the library and getting to the 55,000 hours. Um, the I moved over to our online team, which four or five years ago was a separate group. Now they're all one and we're building the same product. Um, but what sold me, and I moved over in a, in a job where I was focused on the video, um, was the whole IPTV and you know the size of a postage stamp and all of those things that we used to have. Um, I walked into a meeting where we were demonstrating the product we were rolling out, which became Xfinity TV Go. Um, and I watched video coming across the internet through a computer, <laughs> but connected to a television. Yeah. And it was HD quality. And oh. it didn't look any different than what I'd been looking at in a traditional setup box. And that was the moment when I went, you know, it's not an interesting experiment anymore. This is a viable way to actually deliver a really, really good experience. And so we've moved away from you know, the, the old days where it was a posted stamp and it was a small window. And if you've seen over the last five, five years or so, we've all developed a lot of technology. And now that experience is the equivalent of what it is on your television. It is that good. Mm. And so, Scott, where do we go from here? It's almost I almost feel like we're at that point of like there's nothing left to invent. But of course, that's like the most naive thing you could say. And there are always, uh, you know, people who are coming up with new and more innovative ways uh, to deliver entertainment and, and give uh, access to entertainment in different and new and innovative ways. And I wonder what those are. So um, our CEO, Brian Roberts, uh, recently said that he thinks the next five years of television innovation are going to be much better than the last, you know, 50. Mm. Um, I think he's right in a lot of ways. I think the whole reason we've built out a platform is it allows us to start experimenting and testing and exploring and working with new partners to figure out where we're going. I don't think we have answers, um, but we're doing a lot of testing. But you could see things on our platform like we're starting to introduce applications to the TV. Um, and so that's part of the X1 that you, uh, you've been able to use recently where you can have sports scores, for example. You can be watching a live game. You can have a live data feed next to it that's showing you who's, you know, all of the games if you wanted to switch to a different one or you wanted to see what was exciting. Um, you can imagine everybody talks about fantasy football. You could see your fantasy football list and jump between the different games to see how your quarterback or running back is doing. But you can also go into the game that you're watching and see who's pitching and what their ERA is and who's batting and what their batting average is. And you can see whether or not they're good against lefties or righties and, you know, all of that kind of information. Um, you can imagine we've been talking for 10 or 15 years about multiple camera angles, mm. um, you know, on sports events. Um, those are the kinds of things that when you build out a platform, um, you can start testing and seeing and you can experiment with and you can put it in front of real users and find out whether or not that actually is something they want or not. The nice thing about the platform that we've worked on and the product X1 is that we can, in the internet, you talk about failing fast. We can get it out in front of a couple percent of our users. We can see if they like it. 
if it's not working, we can fix it. If it's not still not working, we cannot, you know, we could stop development and move on to the next thing that people talk about. So um, it, it, in many ways, the cloud, as you asked earlier, unlocks a lot of potential for us. Um, and the fun of being in my position is that we actually get to experiment and learn what works. Um, but we're no longer doing it over a 12 to 24 month cycle. We can test things in weeks or months and find out what works and what doesn't work and what people really want and and then keep moving faster. Wow. You know, and Scott, I, I really appreciate that I was able to connect with someone who understands the technical aspects of television and it almost, uh, you know, I, I consider myself to be somewhat of an entertainment geek and I kind of feel that in you a little bit. So I, I really appreciate that. But I'm wondering if, if you have any, and again, this might be more of a personal question or a personal opinion, but, you know, my show is, is very much geared toward helping people get the most value for their dollars, helping them live more abundantly. And part of that is making sure that they're spending their dollars in a way that is going to look if they want entertainment for their family. Well, what are the different ways that you can spend your dollars? And so I guess it kind of gets to my question of and again, I, I understand with you and your background, this may be more of a personal opinion, but do you see what what Comcast currently offers today? Do you see that as good entertainment value and would you say also from your perspective to make this question even longer <laughs> is that uh kind of a driving force um from what you see uh in in working with comcast is entertainment value a, a huge driving force of what comcast wants to do i would say yes i think a lot of what we're doing from a development perspective the new products and the whole x1 platform is designed to let you get more from the subscription that you're paying for. It allows you to find content that you're interested in to discover new content, but also content you already like. It, we're working very, um, a lot on personalization and the idea that how do we, how do we, um, get you closer to the, inf you know, the content, the TV shows, the movies, um, whether it be kids programming or sports or movies on a Friday night so that you can get access to that. You could see the breadth of the subscription and understand like I said, 55,000 choices is a lot, but our entire pl X1 platform is designed to help you get to stuff that's interesting to you faster and better. Um, and then we're starting to layer on other features, things like common sense media. So if you're a parent and you want to understand if this is appropriate for your kids to watch, uh, you know, we're working with Flickster and Rotten Tomatoes. So if you want to know if this is a good movie or a bad movie, and did the critics like it or did, uh, you know, the users of Rotten Tomatoes like it? Um, those are all really good ways that we're adding to um, the experience across the platform. So not only can you get access to it when you want it and where you want it, but we're going to do a much better job of getting access to what you want. Um, and I think that's a huge part of our focus. And fundamentally, that is entirely driven by making it more valuable to the customer by helping them filter a massive universe of content down to stuff that I want and I'm happy that I'm paying for. And Scott, you you had mentioned, you know, about being able to um, use other devices other than just your television. And I understand a majority of TV is still watched, you know, on the couch or on the big screen, on their home entertainment system. But, you know, there might be some people who say, well, I, I don't want to invest in cable because... Well, I'm just going to sit on the couch for four to six hours a day, and, and 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 I don't even think that that's good for me. But I think what we're seeing in television and what we're seeing in new technology that's offered is 
it's it's really not like that now because TV is everywhere. And would you say that that's the case and kind of what, what you're seeing and where you're seeing the future of television entertainment going? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, TV is across devices. It, and that's why when you asked the question earlier, I changed the language a little bit. But the, it's TV on the customer's terms, meaning when they want it, where they want it on the device that they bring to the table, whether it be an I, you know, an iPhone or an iPad or an Android tablet or a smartphone, um, whether it be a computer, a PC or a Mac, whether it be their television in their family room, um, or the television in the bedroom or in the kids' playroom downstairs, it's all of the content that is in their subscription, whether it be linear content that's being broadcast, whether it be on-demand content that we've worked with our programming partners to get for them. Um, or DVR content that they've explicitly said, I want to keep so that I can watch in the future. We're taking that content and we're putting it on all of their devices when they want it and where they want it, because we think that's, that's how you increase the value of the subscription. It's how you get the user to use the features more and put it on the device in the location that they want. Um, and it, you could still go watch it in the glory of HD sitting in your family room on the couch, um, but you don't have to be there in order to take advantage of what you're paying for. That's awesome. So Scott Werman, executive director with Comcast, and one of the uh, folks that have been in the video entertainment industry for many, many years and uh, instrumental in the X, the new X1 platform. Thank you so much for spending your time with us on the 90 Days to Abundance program. No problem. Thanks again. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me on this program. Again, I know I wasn't talking about uh, shopping at the grocery store and all these other things I normally talk about as far as saving money goes, uh, but this was really just something that I'm actually kind of fascinated with. I love home entertainment. I love saving money on home entertainment, and I love cool new technology, and if that means that we're getting greater value because of these advances in technology. I think that's pretty cool. And I think that's part of living an abundant life. So with that, thank you so much for joining me on this program. I will be back with you again next week, Monday, and I'll be sharing with you all sorts of different ways that you can save more money, earn more money, and enjoy your life with more money. And as always, living more abundantly. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.